The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. I'm Ken, certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial analysis. And my counterpart here, Ethan Broga, is a CFP as well with a master's degree in financial planning. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Good to see you here in uh, downtown Seattle, high atop the Empirical Tower as usual. Great to be here. Good, good. I'm glad you're excited. It was quite an enthusiastic show last week. You were really letting the emotion uh, it really was. run wild. Yeah. And uh, so I was thinking we could, there were a few topics that were listener type questions we didn't get to last week. Um, we were finishing up the show talking about annuities. And uh, every right. time we have an, a market situation, annuity sales go through the roof, and these insurance sales guys are running wild. <laughs> so I thought maybe we could do a quick, quick summary of that that would lead into the next thing, which is when do you abandon? A sound strategy and a, and a uh, your connection to your financial advisor. So another question was, hey, I read in an article, client question, our listener question was, I was reading in an article somewhere, a magazine, they were saying, hey, um, future returns are going to be low, so you shouldn't be engaging in an advisor. You should just buy Vanguard index funds. Is that the case? Is it not the case? What's the case? What the deal? Right. I want to talk about that. And then I thought we could start a little series here. I wanted to review the whole mortgage situation, short selling, um, what the different types of loans are. And I thought you and I could go on a little exploratory journey on that. Okay. And talk about, because for most people, Ethan, their house, um, regardless of the recent financial crisis and what went on with the mortgages, I think for most people in America today, their home is still a pretty big investment. Yeah, sure. One way or another. And so I'd like to start talking about that a little more. We haven't really addressed much about the personal uh, home and what's going on with interest rates there. Maybe it is a good time to to purchase a a single family home for for those of you out there renting. Maybe it's not. I want to talk about it. And uh, always lots of stuff going on in the market. So if there's anything there you want to entertain, Ethan, we can talk about that. But before we do, uh, Ethan, as usual, if you wouldn't mind giving out, um, maybe reiterating what our mission is here with the show and our company and our various contact information. Oh, sure. That sounds good. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, just a reminder to everybody, this is a, a live recording. If you'd like to join us, please give us a call or shoot us an email. We can be reached at 866 472 5790 or contact at empiradio.com. And, uh, yeah, the show uh, is just designed to help, help people make smarter 
more consistent financial decisions. So whatever the investment topic, hopefully we'll, we'll be talking about it and you can glean some useful information out of that. Um, if you happen to be an individual investor out there looking for some guidance, uh, maybe you're looking for a second opinion on a, on a, on a portfolio, uh, or perhaps you're looking to, to review your uh, retirement plan, we would love to help you with that as well. You can reach us directly here in Seattle at the Empirical Tower at uh, 206-923-3474. And just ask for Ken or Ethan, and either of us will be happy to, to speak with you and walk you through that process. Um, and it's no obligation, by the way, too, so don't don't feel like uh, it's going to be a high-pressure sales situation. Not at all. We're easygoing guys and just want to do the right thing for folks. I don't know if I deserve that. Well, it's pretty funny. It was, I'm having a little problem here, so it was a little delayed. Oh, all right. Sorry about that. Was but, it the, after uh, the empirical tower comment? Yeah, yeah. Was, okay. Okay. I, but cool. I hit the button. I couldn't stop it, and it was right. it was working. So the joke was now, hey, give us a call. Yeah, usually I'm, I'm right on. <laughs> Your timing usually uh, is impeccable. The show knows that the sound effects are impeccable, <laughs> as you said, and I usually do that while conducting Indeed. a variety of other activities all at once. That's right. You can multitask like nobody else. Indeed. Well, it's because I'm ambidextrous. <clears throat> at least. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Among many other things, <laughs> right? Meep, meep. No, but seriously, uh, if you're uh, a professional out there and, and are interested, perhaps in, in, in learning more about how it would be to work with us, uh, and I think I mentioned this on numerous radio programs, but uh, we've built a very good infrastructure uh, for our business that allows our, our our advisors really to focus on what's best for the client and, and helping you build your business. So we'd love to help you learn more about that and, and uh, connect with you as well. So give us a call at two zero six nine two three. Three four seven four. How's that? Very cool. Very cool, Ethan. Oh, wrong, wrong one. You better believe it. Um. Okay. Cool. So, like I said, it'd be great while we're talking and and doing our thing, drinking a couple of Coke Zeros here, and just exploring financial uh, topics. I mean, our goal here is to try to uh, both for you and I to journey down different um, investment and financial planning topics and try to try to uncover ideas or or put things in different perspectives right and try to poke holes in ideas and there's a lot of stuff out there you know you pick up a magazine Mm -hmm. um you can go to the rack and get a money magazine or smart money or any of these types kiplingers um and there's a lot of off the cuff kind of advice that they put in there um but how do you know that that advice is ultimately going to work and should that advice be taken in isolation and outside of a comprehensive plan. And I think that, to me, is a very difficult uh, thing to do because they don't typically have a step-by-step, hey, re- do this this in this issue, and then the next, they're building on something. Right. It's kind of hard to do a magazine that way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Because somebody would have to go back two years to catch up, right? And get So it's usually, hey, what's what's in the headlines right now, right? What's politically in the headlines, what's... Market-wise, financially, what's going on, and then uh, maybe we can kind of come up with some taglines or something to get somebody's attention to buy this thing. But whether or not the ideas are always sound, um, it's been about fifty-fifty of the things that I look at. Right. And so, one of the listeners, I we've gotten an email. I believe it was question was, hey, I was reading in in one of those magazines, one of those periodicals. Uh, I can't remember exactly which one. This is a week or two ago. And I was reading about um, the idea of just putting my money, returns are going to be low. The, the author of this magazine said returns are going to be low going forward. 
So you should just put your money in an index fund, um, maybe at Vanguard, and fire your financial advisor. And uh, because if if returns are low, why would you why would you pay somebody a fee? You can't afford to do that. Um, and and be done with it. So last week, Ethan, we were going to roll into that question out of your discussion about annuities, which is another thing that's gotten a lot of. Um, I was clicking on. The uh, I was in reading some Wall Street Journal stuff, and I saw the ad for this 8% guaranteed annuity, and I clicked on it. And I did get a call, by the way, Ethan, by the gentleman oh, yeah? uh, who said, hey, it's going to take me a week or two to get you the data. I have to make sure that it's available in Washington State you know, because I said, hey, I'm interested, and this is what I clicked on in the ad. So we'll see what I get back, and as soon as I do, I do want to – I'll report what, what that – I'll let you do your magic – uh, like you did last week, maybe just give a quick summary. You don't have to go over the whole yeah, thing, yeah. but give give us the what was the conclusion? Um, because I think every time we go through a difficult period in the stock and bond market, mm-hmm. it's very tempting to throw your hands up and say none of this stuff that I've read and you know sound you know books and research and what my financial advisor makes much sense. Wall Street's all a big rigged game, and my advisor's only out to collect fees from me. So the guy who's trying to sell me this annuity is the only guy that actually cares, and he's guaranteeing me a lifetime of income at 8%. (laughs) So I thought we could tackle that. Doesn't that just sound a little bit too good to be true? Yeah, but we talked about a few shows ago how the study about how people going out and getting advice yeah. actually prefer biased advice, even when they know it's biased and not good. They still tend to gravitate towards it. Right. So I guess that's what you're here to, to try to combat. Everybody likes the sunshine and roses. Like a financial superhero. You're not always loved, Ethan. It's true. Sometimes Some people will make you into a villain. It can be difficult. <laughs> I don't know about a villain. That's pretty strong. Oh. But there are sometimes when you have you know, conversations with folks, and hey, that's an unrealistic expectation. You can't, you, you can, you can try that, but the likelihood of success, you know, isn't as high as you as other choices. Okay. So, so give me that sum- summarize uh, your conclusion on that annuity thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the low return um, and the fee, and when do you fire your advisor? Kind of discussion. Yeah. The the bottom line, um, and for those of you interested in looking this up yourself, um, check it out. Don't just take my word for it. Uh, here's the the name of the article, and I'll, I think I referenced this last week, but I'll, just in case I didn't, I'll do it again here. Uh, it's called Annuity Analytics. What is the guaranteed rate really worth? Uh, it goes on here. Advisors should provide clients with the embedded investment return, i.e., the cash equivalent yield for the guaranteed life income benefit riders that variable annuities uh, have, which is often the case. In the case of yours, Ken, an article you read, that's exactly what's going on. There's a a guaranteed lifetime income benefit rider that goes on top of the variable annuity. Uh-huh. Um, so that's the name of the article, uh, Annuity Analytics. Um, it's by a very, very well-known, um, <laughs> interestingly, the, the name escapes me at the moment, but uh, a financial author. He actually is a, he's a Canadian, and I think he's in Montreal, if I remember correctly. But look up Annuity Analytics, and there's a, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll find the, the person I'm talking about. Um, more importantly, the, the calculations involved in figuring out, well, i.e., what is the cash equivalent yield, that, that's really the language that we all understand. When you say 8% per year, well, I, I have certain assumptions as to what that actually means. Right. Um, for one thing, it, it means to me that's compound return, not it's a simple return. You know, compound return means that if you have 
uh, start out, say, with $10,000 at 10% interest. Well, the next year you'll have $11,000. And then you get another 10%. Well, the next year, in terms of interest, you'll earn not 1000 but $1,100 of interest. So that compounds on itself. A lot of times these things are, A, they're simple uh, simple interest, so just simple, purely $1,000 a year on the base amount and, and not compound. So it has the effect of lowering your, your overall return. And then and secondly, um, to get the guaranteed uh, payout, you have to uh, tie that to, in fact, let me call this up again, I'm sorry. Uh, there we go. Yeah, tie, tie it to the, the payment you receive once the, the term is up. So how these things typically work is this. You have uh, a 7% guaranteed compound, uh, compound or simple rate of return for, say, 10 years. At the end of 10 years, you'll have some an, an amount, what's called the guaranteed base. And that guaranteed base, then you can turn into a lifetime of guaranteed income, usually at something like 5%, a withdrawal factor of 5%. Um, the real issue is, is this. Based on your own individual life expectancy and, and the time of purchase, um, the embedded investment rate of return, i.e. cash equivalent yield, is very low, usually around 2%. Right. And maybe even low as zero, depending on, or just above zero, depending if it's a compound or simple rate of, uh, of, of, of return. So that's the bottom line. These guarantees are not really worth very much, is the main thing. Um, so I know it's hard to, to figure all that out. You know, th- these things aren't um, very simple. And frankly, if they're not very simple, a lot of times that benefits the issuer and not the consumer. And so I generally would steer away from them, unless you truly understand the math behind it and are doing it for the right reasons, which in most cases is not, these are my, my experience, uh, most often what happens. Right. And I was pointing out that this word guarantee that gets thrown around, we were saying that that guarantee is only as good as the credit of the company issuing it. Yeah, true. I mean, if the company goes out of business, then there's obviously... Otherwise, there wouldn't be ratings, right? And my advertisement... I didn't mean to cut you up. You can go ahead. No, that's it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking that, you know, in the advertisement, it was A plus or A rated annuities plus that are giving the guarantee. So the sales pitch they were making was, hey, these are very high quality companies. Sure. You don't have to dip down to lower quality to get our 8% guarantee. Now you've diffused the confusion around that, poked a lot of holes in that and, right. uh, and through, and we talked about, you know, how it's a little bit dirty and unethical in our opinion, the way that the insurance companies can market these uh, without being completely open about the difference between that simple, the way that return works out. Right. right? Because if you're saying, hey, I'm putting money into a portfolio of bonds and stocks, and over the next 20 or 30 years, here's the annualized uh, rate of return I'd ex- I hope to get. There's a number there, right? Yeah. It's not through all this fancy math that actually makes it... Uh, uh, usually we would use a compound annualized return. I put in a dollar. What does it compound to? Not, not the way they're they're able to get away with this uh, simple calculation. Hey, I, I was just I would simply rather than run the math or, or do any of these these fancy calculations. If you're a person considering buying a variable annuity product with a life uh, a guaranteed lifetime income rider, all you need to do is is go find out what the cost of a single premium immediate annuity is. Uh, it, it, in the time frame which you want to annuitize. So if you're 55 right now and you're buying, you're considering buying one of these variable annuities um, that will grow over 10 years and you can turn into a lifetime stream of income, just go out today and go go look up the cost for uh, a lifetime stream of income, the, the size of what's guaranteed to pay through the annuity, um, at age 65, if you're 55 currently, or whatever time frame you're talking about. Look up what it costs. You'll you will find that it costs significantly less than what 
the annuity company is saying they're going to guarantee us the base for you. And that's that's really where the where, where the rubber meets the road here. Um, so rather than go through the math, which can be complex, simply look for a quote on a single premium yeah. immediate annuity. So I was reading, Ethan, on that guarantee. Um, just to pop back to that real real quick. Uh, how much time we got here? Only a couple minutes, three minutes? Um, there's a site called annuityfyi.com, and I, they're, here they list that. <clears throat> Note, also if the insurance company, their recommendation is that you buy, if you are going to buy an annuity, that you um, purchase one uh, that are rated in the top three with AM, Best, Moody's, and Fitch. Um, but you get down here and it says, note also that insurance company becomes insolvent. Annuity policies are generally protected up to a set dollar limit by the state guarantee association in which the policyholder lives. These types of protection uh, and dollar limits, while similar among states, can vary. For specific information on protection provided by your state's guarantee association, included uh, dollar limits for annuity contracts call, and they have their number there. So, I would like to figure that out. If you wouldn't mind making a note, I'd like to know what those limits are for Washington State. Um, And then what the process is. How quickly do those payouts occur if there is, if if a company does go into default? Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? I think so. So maybe when we come back from, uh, I'm just saying that there are, it sounds like, and I don't know if different annuities have different coverages or ability to tap into that fund. That there is something beyond just the insurer's rating up to a specific limit. I'd like to know what that is. Yeah, let's find out. It might be a good idea to diversify if you are. I, you know, I think annuity should be used for one specific purpose, right? And and I think to me it's a very should be more of a longevity risk hedge. Um, if that there's substantial risk in your portfolio that you won't make it long enough, you can hedge that out with a lifetime annuity. Right. Right. But uh, that's not how they're sold typically. So no, no. We're going to take a breather. We'll come right back and dive back into this. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back, Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Um, Ken, before the break, we were just talking again about these uh, these annuities, uh, the variable annuities with the life income writers. And I want to just uh, do one more thing, if I could, before we move on to the next topic and maybe have some other thoughts. But Yeah, you better believe it. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, if you're uh, you're considering to buy buying an annuity out there with one of these uh, guaranteed benefit writers, and you're thinking of, hey, uh, maybe I'm 55 years old and I, have, I, I want to put in 100000 bucks. Uh, or maybe you want to just a specific dollar of income in 10 years, right. say at 65. Let's say you want to generate $8,500 a year in payments. Um, that's not monthly. That would be annual payments. I'm sorry. That would be the annual number. Of course, it's paid monthly, I should say. So let's say you're looking to, to supply yourself with $8,500 a year of income. Um, and if, if you use the annuity, what it's going to cost you is hundred grand. It's going to cost you 100000 100, bucks right now to get that income in 10 years. Where if you go out and just was to shop around, buy a SPIA, a single premium immediate annuity, for the same $8,500 a year, guess guess how much it would cost you today to do how that? How much, bro? 60 grand. 60 grand. It would cost you 60 grand right now to guarantee that amount of money in, starting in 10 years. Okay. Basically, there's a difference of almost $40,000 that goes into, basically goes, goes where? Guess where? Guess where that goes? Uh, into the insurance company. It does. And then the person who sold you the product. It goes directly to that. That's what they can afford to pay. Such high commissions on these things, because they, the, the insurance company knows very much, very well how much it costs to buy the, that stream of income. You think they don't know? I guarantee they know. Oh, they know. Oh, and that's oh, how so well. And the difference there is, is basically, you know, profit and commissions and everything for for the the folks who are out there selling these things. Well, my thing on this is, it's interesting to me that people would have a an independent financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's not getting paid to sell annuities or investments, but for no other reason than just trying to guide them through retirement. And those annuities are just one tool in a toolbox, right? So if I was building something and I was hired to consult and, and to design and build something for you, Ethan, um, you wouldn't want me getting paid on which tools I use so much, right? Like, well, every time I use a hammer... I get paid a dollar. So now all of a sudden I'm, I'm hammering everything in sight and putting nails and everything. Well, will that make any sense at all? Yeah. If you're, if you're, the yeah. guy, I'm going to take advice from the guy that's getting paid every time he, he only gets paid though if he uses a hammer. And then the next guy, he only gets paid when he uses a saw. <laughs> how, how does that make any sense? 
But that's what's going on here, yeah, right? Yeah, it really is. And so it's easy in, in my analogy to see how ridiculous that is. But in the financial world, it, it gets covered and partially because nobody's explaining, hey, every time I use this kind of material or tool to build your house, I re- the, the price of the house goes up. But you don't know it because all you're ever going to see is the total cost of the house. And in reality, you would have been much better to have somebody who wasn't getting paid every time they use this tool or this material. And actually was getting paid to get the house done right. in the highest quality, structurally sound and, and visually appealing, Ethan, uh, to meet your standards. And not only that, but they're incented on reducing the cost. Right. So for they got a percentage of, ever, of the savings. Wouldn't that be a much more exciting way to get advice? But if the guy who's getting paid for using a hammer or put pounding nails or what is he going to make sound the best? Like what this house needs more of? Yeah, needs more nails. That's all it's going to need, right? <laughs> hey, I don't really know about all the other stuff, but what we need is more nails and we need more hammers in here. And that's what's going on. And so it baffles me sometimes when people step outside of a relationship in which they, they have access, complete access to somebody who hopefully, if you pick the right advisor, <clears throat> would be able to give you independent advice on this. Does this annuity make sense? And if it does, then I would recommend it for you. You know, they need to be trained enough to know what an annuity is themselves. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, I, I think, you need somebody who has some financial planning qualification. I think the CFP is the gold standard in that category. And there's definitely an entire module that covers insurance, which includes annuities. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, other education. I actually have been insurance licensed in the past, Ethan. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've never sold annuities or anything. I just... I looking for the knowledge. So my point is that it's it, it does baffle me a little when people wind up going, hey, I got pitched this annuity or I heard on the radio, I was telling you a while ago, this lady, that that's her pitch. And it's the same pitch about this 8% guarantee and how the stock and bond market's a big casino. Don't risk your retirement savings, right? And then yeah. that last thing, the advertisement was that it's Obama's is now selling annuities or becoming a spokesperson for annuities. And I think annuities have may have and do have their place in the right situation. But I think the person that should be helping you through that decision of how does it fit in the right situation should be independent of the company selling that product and independent of any commission based on that annuity. Do you agree or not? I concur. Okay. Okay. So leading into the next point then, it's very interrelated to this annuity discussion. Mm -hmm. Because why are people who otherwise don't really need an annuity, if we ran the statistics in our very comprehensive financial planning software, right? We said, well, very low probability that you're not going to be successful if you stick to a diversified portfolio of, of growth and conservative investments in the mix that's appropriate for your time horizon and, say, their tolerance and need and potential longevity risk. Mm-hmm. We typically test these things to 100 uh, in, in age, right? We're not picking 70 and going, well, geez, if you make it beyond 70, that's that's going to be a problem. We typically default to 100. <laughs> right. I know how you, you like to do that, right? Sure. Because we don't want to be naive about that risk. Um, and usually if you can make it to 100, you can make it beyond that, right? If we've designed a portfolio. Sure. So... Why then, 
again coming back around is that why why would anyone allow themselves to be sold an inferior strategy uh that again like you said guarantees you virtual zero to no return but it's put in this weird wrapper that makes it makes you believe that you're getting this return yeah it's a really really compelling story because you hear the word guarantee and, and you often seven or eight percent in, in the same sentence so you need to get independent advice if you're falling for that line or you're you're naive enough to think that markets will always go down and that we are now now relegated to a lifetime of low market returns you need to stop and get yourself out of the equation don't you and the insurance guy should not be the one making that decision. <laughs> it's like you going to a car salesman and asking if you should buy a new car. Right. Well, I don't know. What do you think he's going to say? Yeah, I think you need a new one. I happen to have one of right here. Of course you need a new car. Yeah. He'll give you 30 different reasons why you need a new car. Right. Does that make sense? Or should you consult your advisor if you're wondering if this is a good financial decision? You don't ask the car salesman. No. You call your financial advisor and say, hey, I'm down here thinking about it i'm all hot and bothered here about this new camry okay it's hybrid i'm going to save a fortune on on gas <laughs> it's got premium leather seats i can just wipe away the crayons and all that kind of stuff yeah the permanent uh, markers don't come out come out though. oh well you know you, know you could mean. get the right interior cleaner i'm sure probably um you got your little beaded massage cover that goes on the seat seat protector keep these back nice and comfy yeah but you get my point right <laughs> So let's jump into that. So now there's the article about, hey, somebody who wants to sell magazines or, or sell an article, whatever, says, hey, I think we're going to have low market returns. Um, so you really should just forget the advice. Do it yourself. Because why else would you buy the magazine? Who's going to buy a, a financial magazine that's going to say, okay, don't read this. Go get some professional help by people who actually have credentials and have spent the time really working with people. All right. So don't be naive enough to go, well, I'm going to get real good advice from the magazine who has one thing in mind, and that's selling more of their magazine. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to – so that's the question, right? It was, hey, the article said, this author said, hey, we're going to have low t returns. Um, you shouldn't be paying for advice. Just go to Vanguard, put it in an index fund. What's wrong with that? Well, I, I know you have some ideas, but my, my first inclination, because I, I come – my background's planning. I immediately go, well, hang on, hang on a second. There's more to, more to Hit evaluate. Hit the brakes. More to evaluate of, of, of a qualified advisor than simply what happens with the investments. There's a lot of things that go on aside from what stocks and bonds to own and okay. kind of rebalancing regularly and that sort of thing. Um, you know, making sure, for example, that all the other things in your financial world are running at an optimum level and coordinated, I think, is a, is a huge benefit. So, for example, uh, if you're newly newly retired or thinking about retiring and things, and you read this article, well, shoot, I, all, all I'm going to get from my advisor is just investment advice. So I'm just going to go and, and follow his advice and go buy some Vanguard funds and and not worry about it. You'll be missing the boat on a lot of opportunities out there. One of those being just, and we've talked about this in other shows, is Social Security, right? Yeah. Making sure that your Social Security is maximized. You know how much is that? How much is that worth? You know, if you have a, the right situation, you could potentially have tens of thousands of dollars uh, to your 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 financial life over time by selecting the optimal Social Security benefits for you and your wife or you and your family. Um, how much money can you save in taxes if you do do tax planning every single year, right? With Roth conversions, uh, and then what if you later in asset placement these other things? So, assuming the returns are equal, 
it's still better to work with an advisor because there's tons and tons of things they can add value on that you are not. If you haven't been in this business and you're not an expert, aren't a CFP, aren't a tax expert, you won't know how to do. So you mean if if just because I don't randomly read it in a magazine, uh, I it doesn't mean that I didn't miss any potentially helpful financial advice that would save me a lot of money over my retirement. Right. Okay. So I think I think a lot of people though, if they don't read about it, they don't know. Yeah. So they can pick up one article and go, yeah, this guy's right. And I already know I'm taking advantage of everything I can. Um, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Makes it so hard. you're saying, hey, look, first of all, if you if you separated the in, the investment component, you need somebody who's staying on top of all the different strategies in a financial planning sense mm-hmm. that you don't get from a blind investment. Right? Yeah, Just that's exactly it right. Into, whether it's an actively managed fund or an index fund or whatever it is. Most people, if they have any reasonable amount of wealth, uh, probably could, well, even those who don't probably even need it more, right. could benefit from some sound and ongoing financial planning advice. No question about but it. But it's harder to quantify when you don't actually know what it is. You have no idea. Right. And most of the stuff that you're doing is not generic stuff that comes out of, you, you read in a, in a smart money magazine and then go, okay, well, I read that one time, I did it, and now I'm done. It's stuff that goes on on an ongoing basis. That's right. Do you have anything else then, uh, regarding more. the investment component? Or, yeah, whatever. There's more Get stuff, it out. right? Get it out. I mean, I know you have some other things on your mind, All too, right. that, that, right. that dovetail nicely with that part. So why don't you, why don't you, what are your, your thoughts on that? Well, one of the flaws in that is that somebody in the article assumes that we're going to have low returns. Every time we go through a, a difficult market cycle, somebody out there, it's very easy to, it's much easier for me to write what everyone's feeling and wants to hear. <laughs> sure. Everyone's angry, right, and upset. Yeah. It's easier for me to go, yeah, you have a right to be angry and upset. And here's what we do about it. You know, hell no. Um, then it is to say, hey, stick with your advisor. Stick with the approach you have because in the long run, it's going to work out. Yeah. Can I, can I get an oh, yeah. Jump on in. We have the water on. is fine. You know, back in the, in the late 90s, right, 1999, 1998, 1997, that sort of thing, I bet the same guy was saying, hey, fire your investment advisor and own Cisco, right? Go out and buy uh, the, the full horseman of the technology bubble. Right. That's all you're going to need. You don't need your advisor. Just just hire these stocks. Get these stocks and fire your advisor. You're all set. Yeah. Well, we know how that story turned out, right? It was stupid advice then and stupid advice now. I think you're right. You are correct. So I, I, I think you have to develop that relationship from the beginning with the right expectations. And you have to be open-minded because it's not in, in our natural uh, process, I think, to do this. I think that we downplay the value that does get added. You know, when you say, hey, take this course, and it's hard for an individual on their own to go, wow, this, per- this advisor with the Social Security decision you right, talked right, about, right. just saved me $200,000 over my lifetime, right? That would pay this person's management fees if they're a reasonable advisor for a long time, depending on how much they have portfolio. Alone, separate completely from all the work that's being done on the portfolio, right? right. Most of us just go, well, I would have probably done that anyway, even though they wouldn't, right? Yeah, and, no. and they dismiss that idea. But I think you have to really understand and value that re- relationship. I don't think you should engage a, an advisor from the get-go if you're not going to allow yourself to objectively see the value in that advice. And one of that is that you, will you take the advice? 
are you going to be the person that then hires an advisor? Part of it is so you have access to somebody. And again, the way I would do it would be through some sort of fee-only arrangement. Mm-hmm. So that you have access to this person who hopefully is qualified or has access to some experience and some credentials that are relevant to coming up with investment and financial planning solutions, not running around then taking advice from an insurance sales guy, right? While you're, how does that make any sense at all? Yeah. So you're paying this person a fee to give you independent advice, but the person who you take is from the guy writing an article that doesn't know you has no evidence, by the way, to support their flawed uh, prediction, but gives you kind of something that maybe you feel like, hey, I want to hear that, right? Because nobody's happy when we go through tough times. No. And one of the one of the tough parts about working with an advisor is if they are good, they earn their fee during the low return environments. And I only had a couple minutes, but this is now what I wanted to get to, which is it's the exact opposite of what, what this listener, what the guy writing the article said, it's during those tough return periods of time, first of all, going forward, the longer we have poor returns, the greater historically the likelihood of the future returns being good. Mm-hmm. So that's not that's not intuitive or psychologically how we think things. The longer we go through tough times, the more we project those tough times into the future. That's right. But it's been, in reality, empirically, the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. The longer we've had bad returns... The greater the likelihood, at least statistically, it's been in the past that going forward, we'll have more reasonable returns. Um, so then, really, what you should be doing is paying that advisor to keep you from listening to the insurance guy that's selling you an annuity <laughs> at the worst possible time, right? Right. But how do you quantify How does the average person quantify that, right? Hey, yeah, that's tough. This guy's giving me advice that doesn't scratch me where I'm emotionally and psychologically itching. Mm-hmm. Right, but this other guy who has an extra grind, I definitely like what he's saying. So I'll kind of kind of dismiss the independent guy that I. It should never be that way. Don't get involved with an advisory relationship if you're not going to take the advice particularly and stick with them through the tough market because that's when they really earn their fee. Mm-hmm. That's when we as advisors, right, we're looking at other ways of hey, how do you take some lemons here, right, and turn them into into something drinkable? It's well, we have losses. Let's take some tax loss. Let's look at Roth conversions. Let's look at these different yeah. things. Um, it isn't, let's get out of the market, abandon a sound strategy that we planned over 30 years because we've had one year of a tough market cycle. How right. does that, that doesn't make any logical sense. And, and what other decisions have you made if you discount all the things you just talked about? Just focus on the investment for a second. What other types of decisions have to be made by an individual running their own portfolio at Vanguard? Is it just plug it and forget it forever? Or are let's, you going to be rebalancing and do other things? Let's talk about that when we come back. I think we should. And we'll talk about the mortgage stuff. All right. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host Ethan Broga alongside Ken Smith. And just before the break, Ken, we were talking about uh, your question, I think, uh, which was, should you listen to a, a person you don't know <laughs> in, in an article, a random article you might happen to read, and follow their advice? And in this case, we were talking about, uh, hey, re- future returns are likely to be low according to this article, and therefore you should just go and put your money into a Vanguard index fund. Yeah, I'm saying... You know, the time to get away from your financial advisor, if you're not ever going to take their advice, that would be the first thing. Why? Just because the market's going up, um, you, you've got your, your paradigm is, is flawed here. It's a bad system if your approach if you to using an advisor is, hey, as long as the market's going up and my portfolio is earning money, then I don't mind paying some sort of management fee to get all this great advice on all these other things in addition to my right. portfolio because the returns in the market right now are supporting that. But the second we have any difficulty in the market, I'm going to listen to everyone, my neighbor, every random uh, web article that somebody emails me a link to, right? every magazine I pick up, or just a random guy at the bank or the insurance company that wants to sell me something. Mm-hmm. They suddenly become your trusted advisor. You, you are going to be making bad decisions, and you're, the money, you've really wasted your money than paying that other advisor through the good times. Right. Because where they earn on the investment side, in my view, where we earn as advisors the greatest amount of our value is keeping investors from doing, making poor decisions when markets go down. That's right. I agree with that. Not convincing them that we should be chasing hot stocks when markets are going up. Um, but I think, uh, again, it's our natural psychology to do what's opposite when it comes to making these financial decisions. Mm-hmm. It's it's very well established. We don't always make the most rational and sound approach. So how do you avoid that? It's before you get started recognizing and agreeing and having good conversations with your advisor. And it's our job, Ethan, I think, to do a great job having these conversations with our clients and 
other advisors who are listening to this, with your clients before you get to a tough market or a good market. Hey, what is, let's define together here what the value is. And part of it is, is that if you are thinking or getting worried about your plan, um, you're not going to read some random article because I could show you 20 and I can show you substantial research, right, against the random article where the guy says, hey, we're going to have low returns. Um, why would you just take that at face value without letting someone, you know, talking to your advisor? You could certainly, hey, I read this article. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, but just to read it and go, okay, well, that's it. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing because it sounds good to me, you know. <laughs> well, the fact that it sounds good to you should be your first warning that you don't want to do it. You know, let let someone talk and realizing and getting yourself that part of the value of of this advice relationship is if I if everything I was gonna do anyway, the advisor just confirmed for me, there's not a lot of value in that, right? If every time I said, Well, I want to sell everything and put it into gold, <laughs> my advisor said, Hey, that's a great idea. Not only that, but I can make money selling you gold. That's a ridiculous relationship to be in. Right. So the the idea that, hey, we're gonna have poor returns into the future itself would be enough for me to hit the brakes and go, hey, what does this guy know about future returns? Really, all we know is currently if I bought a 10 or 20 or 30-year treasury and I hung on to it, yeah, that's the return I would get. But even in the bond market, if you approach it academically and in a correct way, in a year from now, the whole bond situation could change. We're not buying 20, 30-year bonds and holding them to maturity, mm-hmm. right? So if you add your portfolio relatively short, yes, right now are you getting a huge yield on a treasury bond? Well, no. Does that mean a year from now that things couldn't possibly look different? Right. Um, and you talk about the tips all the time. Like, you know, how in such a low environment did tips do so well last year, right? No yeah. Other time. A, lot that, people, a lot of people have been buying tips. Right. They go up in value. So it's not even necessarily about the exact current yield on a particular treasury or, or something like that. But there's a strategy to approaching your bond portfolio and your and your equity portfolio. The one thing about it, though, anytime you deal with anything that has risk, the only way to mitigate some of that short-term risk is to have a long-term perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, you can, you can, again sentence yourself to a lifetime of poor returns, but at least then you don't have any uncertainty, right? You bought the annuity, and like you said, you locked in a zero return, but now there's I don't have to make any decisions, and I don't have to pay anyone any fees. I just don't make any money. Right. And after inflation, it's less. Yeah. I'm, I'm guaranteed I'm going to lose in real dollars over the period of time. But hey, I feel good about it, right? It is certainty. That's true. So anyway, that's... Go ahead. Yeah, well, I had some other things real quick. Yeah. Just in terms of the investments, if, you go, if you're going to go out and buy some index funds at Vanguard, there's still a lot of decisions that have to be made. I mean, it's not like it just go and, you know, they have, only have one fund, right? Right? They got lots of funds to choose from. Right. You got to figure out, hey, well, what's, <laughs> what's my allocation going to be? You know, how, how, what funds should I actually own? And what, more importantly, what, what more, what allocation should I have? Stocks to bonds mix, right? Right. Is you said, just go out and buy the S&P 500? Well, that's kind of a ridiculous portfolio for everyone. I can't believe that's the best portfolio for every single investor. Right? And even those all-in-one funds, because Vanguard has those, yeah. they're not ideal. No. If you have any reasonable amount of money, for the incremental fee you pay to have someone like us get involved, uh, to me, it's it's well, well worth the ability that we have to customize that to your situation than trusting an all-in-one retirement type of deal. Sure. Or any of that stuff. I mean, it's it's almost ridiculously absurd that somebody would view it that way. Yeah. 
Um, but again, if you're the guy writing an article, if you're Vanguard, you certainly have an agenda there, right? Sure. <laughs> Which, by the way, those guys are calling me constantly saying, hey, a lot of our funds and the way we're Vanguard, we're going to grow, uh, is we realize that people need help. They need advice, and they're <laughs> going to get it through guys like you. Right. And we want to be a part of that. Right, right. Um, it's something they realize, hey, this is what smart people are doing. They're getting professional help. They're not just buying a Vanguard index fund and letting it sit there because they realize it's gotten very complicated. Yeah. So I think you know, just getting to the right allocation again. Going back to that, something, some basic stuff. Hey, what's the right stock and bond mix for me? I mean, outside of a, a, an advisor, what, what, how are you going to determine that? Are you just going to go through the, the risk survey and say, okay, that's that's what I need? And then what happens if you hit a tough market? Stocks go down a ton, and then it's hey, well, you know, I'm supposed to rebalance, but you know, I don't really feel like it right now, so I'm probably not going to do it. You're going to lose returns, and then, and then not including the, the enough asset classes. If you go to go to Vanguard, you buy the S and P 500 fund and maybe a, a bond index. You're excluding a lot of the world market out there. Things like emerging markets, right? It, it, small cap, uh, small cap international value stocks. Those types of things aren't going to be in those portfolios. There's returns to be had there by including those por- those things in your portfolio. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to miss out on that. The basic tenets of being successful can be very simple. But the actual application and getting it done is very, very difficult. It's complicated. Beyond what most of us individually can can do over a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so. And I think that well, the biggest thing, it doesn't matter if you have index funds or not. Um, if, again, if you go through a crisis having the wrong allocation and you can't emotionally handle the risk involved in that portfolio, you're going to make costly decisions that will ultimately mean low returns. Um, but not having the discipline or, or the knowledge to gain, have the confidence to be disciplined about your chosen investment strategy. Um, so there's lots of things that go on, on just on the investment side alone that, that are worth, even in a lower, lower returning environment. I mean, the last year, for example, hasn't been great, right? Um, if you have a global diversified portfolio, you're probably pretty close to even for the last one year. Was it not worth having an advisor during that period of time? Well, I can tell you there's lots of times in the last 12 months that uh, if you made a poor decision with your investments because you got emotional about things, you could lose a lot of money. Right. The alternative to having no returns or zero returns in this environment could mean you lose a lot of money. Right? So there's a lot of things at stake here, I think. Yes, I agree. So, hey, I... I if we... You want to move on from this for a few um, minutes? Okay. All right. I guess, in conclusion, what we can do to help is give us a call if you're contemplating any of this stuff. If you're reading articles and taking advice that way or you're being sold annuities, that annuity should be evaluated within the context of every asset, every income stream, um, every liability that you have in in a financial plan, and we can model that. I don't know if the guy that's selling the annuity is doing that. Do you think he's putting in all your other investment assets and running a plan, or is he just saying, hey, how much money do you need? Oh, buy this amount of all, annuity. All roads lead to annuities from annuities annuity salesman. Okay. So, no. So, I, I just, it's, 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 that's my, the best advice I can give. Totally free, Ethan. Wow. I'm not even charging you That's for a it. good deal. There you have it. <laughs> the show is free. All right. Hey, where's your little sound effect? The ching, how about that? Oh. Little, yeah. little bank sound. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's get so it. So, say that again. All, it's totally free. There you go. Nice. But it could save you a lot of money. Yep. All right. Well, we got a few minutes here, Ethan. I, I wanted to start maybe talking about mortgages and loans and short selling and 
Um, I thought maybe we could kind of define a couple of things. So if you're in the market and you're going to start looking to buy a house, um, how do you frame all of that? And what are the different ways of looking at the loan process? No, okay. we're not mortgage brokers. Here again, we don't sell mortgages. We don't sell mortgages? We don't sell mortgages. What? So this is purely a, again, academic exercise and right. for the, for the idea of trying to, to build a process to think through these decisions. Um, and one of the things, real quick, uh, cause with the time we have is I had our tax, in-house tax expert, Lauren and Quest, uh, look up some, I wanted to review what the tax ramifications are on rental property. So I know it's probably a, a th- thing that's out there is, hey, I want to I want to sell my house maybe or, or get rid of it, but I've got a loss on it. Okay. And so maybe I should just rent it out. Do you, is, is, is that a common question you think? I Happens know often got, enough. Um, yeah. How does all that work? Well, you know, if you're using it as your primary residence, so long as uh, the loan, let me see what the, where we get the paper here. Is within a certain size, you can deduct all of the mortgage interest. Um, so, on your primary residence, Ethan, yeah, um, you know, you you can you can do that. But if you convert it to a rental property, mm-hmm. there are some some limitations. And so, one of the questions that I I'm just kind of circling around here in my mind because there's a lot of them. But one of the questions I, I posed to Lauren was, hey, when you buy a personal residence and you sell it, there's an exclusion, a special exclusion that applies to capital gains. Right. Uh, so you buy a house at a half, say it's a half a million dollars and it goes to a million and you're a married couple. You can sell that house for a million bucks. Theoretically, right, you would have a tax-free capital gain of $500,000. Yes. Bought it at, and I'm not getting into, you know, your cost base in terms of improvements and all that, but let's just keep it simple. Um, $250,000 per person, right? So Lauren confirmed, and again, this is not specific tax advice. I'll make all those qualifiers. Talk to your accountant or advisor about this stuff, but these are generally what the rules read. Okay. So that's still enforced. I was asking, hey, is there anything that's changed that? You know, I would think that'd be an exclusion that somebody would might want to with the tax, with the debt and everything we're working on here. Um, I'm sure they're looking for preferred treatment on different things that we could eliminate. Right now, it's probably not a huge issue because the property values are down. Right. And right. And so now the question was, well, I bought a house at a half a million. Now it's only worth 250000 because it declined. Okay. Can I bank that loss and use it? And the answer is no. Right. In your personal residence, you cannot do that. That's correct. Um so just as you get the exclusion on it when you sell it again, up to that two hundred fifty thousand per person or five hundred for a married couple, you cannot take it off your tax return if you have a loss. That's right. So what you're if you bought a house at a half a million, it's sitting at two fifty. You can do, you wait for it to go back up, right? You know you're back to five hundred. Well, you don't. There's no gain you have to realize there. But what if I convert it into a rental property? Okay. What happens then? Okay. Well. What Laura was saying is that you then need to use um, the adjusted basis uh, or the property's fair market value at the time of that conversion. Yes. Do we? I guess we only have a minute. Oh, is that right? I got so much on this I wanted to talk about. Oh. Uh, so maybe we'll fine-tune this for next week and we'll start 
okay. talking because it's pretty fascinating. And I think it's something that even people who aren't in the stocks and bonds, yeah, read a lot of people uh, real estate, haven't so. done that. Sure, uh, almost everyone is living somewhere, <laughs> even if you're on this. So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe we can talk a little more. But the idea for next week then would be that I want to go over. Some of the tax ramifications of your personal residence when you're deducting mortgage interest. I want to go over the different types of loans. If you're thinking, hey, maybe now's a good time to buy a house. Right. So what kind of loans are there? How do I qualify? And how do they differ in terms of the down payment that's required and the interest rate hmm. paid okay. yeah, yeah. across these different types of loans, conventional, unconventional, conforming, non-conforming, um, jumbo size loans. I want to kind of go over all of that. Perfect. Um and then again, what are the tax ramifications? If you're thinking about a rental property, do you just get to deduct every expense now? You get to run around buying shovels and vacuum cleaners and all that stuff that you do, Ethan, at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do do a lot of work at home. That's true. Exactly. Dishwashing supplies. Yeah, so we'll talk about all that stuff uh, next week on Empirical Investing Radio. Thank you for tuning in again. Please contact us. Send us uh, contact at empiradio.com. Questions and thoughts you have for the program or call us here at the firm at 1-800-923-4307. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. 